uh, I think it was reported recently that overdoses have now eclipsed pandemic deaths. Um, and that's a, a number that we all need to look at and focus on. According to federal data, more than 93,000 Americans died of unintentional drug overdoses last year in the midst of the pandemic. Locally, the most recent New York City Department of Health statistics say Latino New Yorkers have consecutively had the highest rates of unintentional overdose deaths. We wanted to find out why. This is Community Dialogues, a program for frank discussions about race, racism, and racial justice. I'm Jaya Joyce. Our guest today is Roy Kearse, a person in long-term recovery and the Vice President of Recovery Services and Community Partnerships for Samaritan Daytop Village, an organization which works to alleviate some of the adverse conditions that people in the community are dealing with. He joins us to talk about their efforts to battle drug addiction and overdoses in Queens and the Bronx. Good morning. Hi, Roy. Thank you so much for joining us today. I understand that Samaritan Day Top Village has something called PARC, a Peer Alliance Recovery Center. Can you tell us about PARC and what its purpose is within the organization? Yes. PARC is, as the name implies, a Peer Alliance uh, Recovery Center for, uh, for people in recovery and who have had experiences with addiction and and to help them address their problems with addiction and provide support for their problems that they have with addiction uh, provide a safe haven a place where they can go and receive the support they need we have two locations one in queen one in the bronze um, and we serve the community in whatever way we can by providing recovery coach training, recreational activities, uh, computers um, access for folks to develop their resumes if they're looking for jobs, but also to reach out and involve themselves in other recovery support activities. It's, it's become a, a much needed activity in the community. If you could think of a senior center, for example, that are all over the city and, and, and a well-known um, staple within most community. Mm-hmm. Well, the recovery centers are similar to that, a place for people to go, socialize, uh, support one another, um, and provide access to uh, things people may need in the community. And who do you primarily serve in the park program? You know, like, what are the backgrounds demographically? We serve all people regardless of who, who they are, regardless of their station in life. Um, because all people, one, one of the things about uh, drug addiction, substance use disorders, is it does not discriminate. It's, 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 it's not something that only affects those at the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum, but it also affects people who were doing well. Uh, and may find themselves getting addicted through no fault of their, their own, um, simply because a doctor may have to prescribe pain medication for an accident or illness they had. And after being on 
that medication for some time, they may have become addictive and they, they may begin to resort to street drugs and, and spiral out of control. Uh, we've also had a large number of addictions because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, huge numbers uh, of relapse and overdoses in our communities because of the pandemic. The news has just come out with over a 30% increase in overdoses uh, wow. during the last year. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at those numbers, the, the numbers are astronomical. Um, uh, I think it was reported recently that overdoses have now eclipsed pandemic deaths. Um, and that's a, a number that we all need to look at and focus on. But the recovery centers offer the opportunity for people who are in recovery to have the supports they need to sustain their recovery. Because I believe and have maintained for a long time that to turn the tide of what is happening in this country, we can, it's not only about just getting people into recovery, it's sustaining people in recovery. Yeah. And if we can sustain people in recovery, then we'll be winning the battle. So to kind of go off from that, I know that, you know, Park has something called recovery coach training and has this program helped to open up job opportunities for individuals? Yes, it's it's helped to open up job, entry level job opportunities for many people who are just beginning their recovery from, from addiction. But it's also training a core group of people in the workforce who can serve as mentors and, and coaches and supporters for those struggling with addiction across the city and the state to help them begin to understand what their addiction is, be a supporter, help them get to the resources that they need to get to, help them navigate the difficult waters of addiction. Uh, so our peer navigators and our recovery coaches uh, play a vital role in the continuum of service uh, and as parts of our multidisciplinary teams uh, that we use to address addiction. So how does this set up their long-term success um, in recovery, you know, training to become a recovery coach? Because the knowledge that they learn how to support another, uh, another person mm-hmm. also is knowledge that they use to support themselves. Yeah. You know? and it helps them to understand the nature of addiction better, to be able to uh, know what the warning signs are, how to address those warning signs, and they use that for themselves. Also, also more importantly, is they stay connected in a community of people who are in recovery, who are working to sustain and maintain their recovery. They call each other, they, they reach out to each other. We, we have an alumni association, we have a family association, all connected to our park programs and our other services, all designed to help people when they're in the community, uh, survive in the community, and not only survive, but thrive with the support of Samaritan Baytown Village and other services we have beyond our, our park programs. Yeah, and do you find that socioeconomic factors often prevent people from completing treatment? You know, like, can you tell me about, you know, are there any obstacles that kind of come into play with that? Yes. If we look at society as a whole, we know that 
from a socioeconomic perspective. There are those that have and there are those that don't have. And very often, those that don't have receive uh, poor, poor health care and have poor health care outcomes. And, and data has suggested that the reason for that is that, or one of the reasons is that people who don't have the resources to get quality health care are going to get <laughs> poor health care. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that's beautiful about our programs as a man and daycare they're available to everybody, regardless of uh, their ability to uh, pay. And many of our programs are designed in a way to work with insurance companies and work with uh, the other builders and funders so that we can give people quality health care um, in a way that is affordable and reasonable and that they can take advantage of. And so how does PARC help to build trust between healthcare and the community that you're serving? Well, we, we have a number of programs that are designed just to do that, to mm-hmm. work with the community. All of our programs work directly with the community. But PARC in particular, uh, we have a, a Cabrini grant that has allowed us to create a program called Building a Better Tomorrow. And the whole goal of that program is to connect people with health care services, people in the community with health care services. Um, um, the original goal of that program was to touch um, 800 folks before I stated that goal. And in addition to that, we enrolled 200 people in our services uh, and beyond the 800 people that we uh, connected with uh, test and, and connected with some kind of health cancer. So those, that's just one example of how we work to build trust between healthcare and the community by letting folks know that we're there to help them navigate the difficult water of getting housing, getting mental health services, getting substance abuse services, uh, and being involved in the community. Under the leadership of our president, uh, and CEO Mitchell Netburn, we've been expanding our efforts to the community uh, triple fold, I would say, uh, beyond what we've ever done in the past because we want to reach out to everybody we can serve and serve them. Mm-hmm. And I had read somewhere um, that in 2019, um, it was stated that the Bronx led the other boroughs in overdose fatalities. Like, how do you think this stands now, and why do you think, you know, the fatalities in the Bronx were so high? The the Bronx, from the beginning, has always been an area, you know, the Bronx has a lot of socioeconomic problems, like many communities across New York State, but the Bronx has had a high level of uh, addiction problems and overdoses, and you're right. and we recognized those numbers right away. It was one of the reasons why we applied to open a recovery center in the Bronx, to be close to the problems, to provide resources close to the Bronx. We're also opening up in the Bronx where our recovery center will be housed is the Richard Press Wellness Center, which will be on Cortland and in, in the Bronx. 
and it will be a building where there'll be one, literally one-stop shopping where they'll have outpatient services, uh, medication-assisted treatment services, recovery services, primary care services, uh, so, to, so that the community will have a place where they can go to have the majority of their needs met in one place. And we're hoping that that center will be open in September and will provide an opportunity to serve those who are sorely in need in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And what's the accessibility of Narcan to this community? You know, are there opportunities for people to have access to Narcan free of charge, or are there any financial barriers yeah. preventing the community from carrying Narcan? Well, the issue with Narcan is, uh, you know, for a person, person to have Narcan, they need to be trained in how to use it. Um, our programs, our recovery centers do that very training to train people how to use Narcan, uh, uh, work with New York City Health Department to get access to the Narcan kit. Uh, getting the kits and, and providing the kits is not a problem. The problem is making sure that the people have training in the proper use of the Narcan so that if there is a possible overdose, a person knows exactly what to do and how to use the Narcan to be more effective at saving lives. And we have found that a number of lives have been saved by the individuals that we've trained in using Narcan uh, within our, uh, our facilities in the community. Um, it's been a, a huge tool in, in the efforts to save lives from overdoses. And can you tell me a little bit about the programs that Samaritan Day Top Village offers for the homeless and how this also establishes, you know, a sense of trust between healthcare and the local communities. And then also, you know, like what does recovery play a role in aiding the homeless population in New York City? That was a good question. And I was to tell you that Samaritan Day Top Village has a host of programs to aid the homeless from our transitional housing programs across the spectrum to our supportive housing and permanent housing uh, programs that we've developed to help uh, those who are suffering from um, substance use disorders, as well as folks who find themselves homeless uh, do no fault of their own uh, or um, simply because they were evicted from a apartment or they lost their job, or whatever reason. The reasons are less important than the fact that we provide an opportunity for people to get back on their feet to providing our homeless and housing services. And, and there is a connection between housing services and recovery, because even if you go to a treatment facility and you do not have a place to live, which is the foundation of uh, you often want to relapse into uh, addiction, and, and so we, we we make as part of our program a holistic effort to help people not just establish their recovery, but to get jobs, to reunite with their family, and most importantly, to find affordable housing and a place to live in New York. We at Samaritan Daytime Village have, have been doing a world of good 
for the people in the community. I believe that's our model that we, this is where good lives. Um, and, and we don't just use that as a slogan. We demonstrate that in our efforts by providing services and support to every segment of society. And we will continue to do that because we believe that that is at the heart of our mission and at the heart of our, what we pledge to do within our, the communities where we're located. And we've been doing that for over 60 years and we will continue that um, as long as we can, as long as we have the support of the community, our funders, and the people we serve. That was Roy Kearse from Samaritan Daytop Village. This has been Community Dialogues. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm Jaya Joyce. Thank you for listening. <laughs>